Welcome to Essential Insights, a podcast for healthcare professionals. My name is Sydney, and I'm the program coordinator for the Hospice and Home Care Webinar Network. Today's episode is an audio clip from a webinar presented by Kurt Kazanowski with Hospice Advisors, and it is titled Strengthening Your Referral Inquiry to Admission Process. Our speaker is a consultant, author, and coach for hospice and home care organizations, as well as the owner of two successful personal care home health companies. As a healthcare executive and successful entrepreneur, he has helped numerous healthcare organizations to develop the necessary strategies to improve service delivery, grow market shares, and enhance profitability. Today's webinar sneak peek will review the referral inquiry to admission process, the anatomy of the intake. If you want to learn more about this topic afterwards, please see the notes for a registration link and a coupon for 10% off the on-demand webinar. Without further ado, let's get started. On to the anatomy of an intake process. First and foremost is knowing, not believing, <laughs> not having faith because uh, and hope. Hope is not a strategy. Do you know that all the people that are touching your organization, both those professional referrals, those soft referrals, et cetera, are you capturing all of those referrals and people that are touching your organization seeking help? As I indicated when we did the uh, mystery shopping for not only the North Carolina but other organizations, there are a lot of gaposis in terms of people being able to access your services. So it's very important as a first part of the anatomy process is to really understand and know, not think, not hope, that all people that are reaching out to you are being serviced in a really great professional way and you're able to eliminate barriers to give them um, the gift of hospice and home care. You know, those professional referrals, you know, that come in a box with a nice bow on them, those are the easy ones <laughs> most of the time. It's those softer referrals, what I call napkin referrals, that on the margin are over time that really add to your hospice's ability to serve more people and grow. And an example of a napkin referral would be, um, and I've had this example many times, is uh, on a Friday evening somebody calls into your organization and says, hey, could you tell me about my hospice benefits? Now, I'm sure most of your organizations would do an excellent job. and In fact, you would probably throw up on the patient, I'm saying that affectionately, or the caller, you have maybe more information than they really need. But would you consider somebody calling up on a Friday evening a, and asking about their hospice benefit or referral? And the answer would be yes, because people just don't sit around on a Friday evening in their home wondering about their hospice benefit unless there's something going on. And it's up to us as professionals and hospice and home care organizations to really understand that and make sure we gather the essential information on the front end to begin a journey with them to eliminate those barriers and assist them and help them understand how they can receive um, services that they need. And the second part is, and there again, so getting back to, you know, uh, step number one is knowing. That's the reason it's in capital letters, to make sure that all of you go through some process to reassure yourself and your leadership that we are capturing 100% all the inquiries coming in the uh, front door. Second would be as first to bedside wins. And building capacity, those first responders, and I'll explain a little bit more what that is, and, and doing that with the existing resources you have is paramount, especially in today's competitive environment. Um, I see from uh, the list of people attending that there's uh, six or seven organizations from California, which is very competitive. Uh, several people here in my home state of Michigan, I'm sitting in beautiful downtown Plymouth, Michigan in my office, very competitive markets. And it's really interesting <laughs> as I work with the people in North Carolina, referring back to that example, they're in a certificate of need state. 
and they maybe have four or five competitors in their marketplace, and they think they have a lot of competition. And I'm sure a lot of you on the phone right now that are in more competitive markets are probably chuckling and think, wouldn't it be nice just to have four or five competitors? So really being able to understand and drive a strong sense of urgency and being able to respond. Because in my world, the ultimate best practice is that when somebody calls your organization, the ultimate best practice is to be able to schedule a visit and get somebody out there within 24 hours. And some of you are probably going, oh, my God, how can we do that? Da, da, da. We're going to talk about that. But that would be the ultimate best practice in service and excellence in being able to respond to people and help them uh, during a time of need. Now, for home care, skilled home care is probably a little bit different because I know that uh, line of business, you need to do a lot of pre-certifications and qualifications before you can get out there. So it may not be as immediate. But for hospice, palliative care, and private duty, you know, I owned a personal care company here in Michigan for years. And if I did not get out there after the call was made, there are a lot of other people, other organizations that were willing to service them. So understanding and creating and strengthening your sense of urgency and building capacity, and we'll, we'll talk about that in more detail in a minute, is, is key and important. You know, eligibility, the eligibility process is fundamental. And in each one of these specific parts of uh, the process, we could spend a couple of hours just chatting about. So there again, my... my uh, my uh, um, offer to you is if there's one specific area that you want to drill down and ask more specific questions, please don't hesitate to give me a call or drop me an email. But eligibility from a clinical perspective, like I said, we're not going to discuss that because uh, we could spend a couple of hours just on that. But if you do have a specific question on the clinical part, please let me know. What I want to touch on now is the concept of single points of failure. And what I mean by that, let me give you a few examples, give you three specific examples. You know, courtesy admission nurse, goes out, does an eligibility assessment, and finds that the patient isn't eligible and just makes that decision by his or herself that they're not eligible and we move on. Uh, I know that, believe it or not, some hospitals still have that model in place. I know a lot of you right, have a safeguard mechanism in place to be able to do that. Another example, we did a redesign for a hospice in New Mexico, and as part of that process, we met with our medical director <clears throat> and just talked about the whole eligibility process. <laughs> And that medical director said, you know, whatever my nurse says, I'm good to go. Whatever they say, I just, I just sort of rubber stamp it. That's the wrong answer. It's the other way around. That physician should be asking 10 questions to really help validate, understand, look for other information to qualify and determine whether there's eligibility met under CMS guidelines. And what the, what the key takeaway here is that eligibility process truly isn't a process. It's more of a personality-driven component on who's making those decisions. Um, I, I know that there's a, I saw one person from uh, Seasons on board, and I know for a fact that Seasons as an organization, they have an eligibility committee, and I know that working with other hospices, they have an eligibility committee where that any, any referral or any admission that's in question, they're able to press an app, immediately get three people, the medical director, the admission nurse, and maybe a clinical director, the executive director on the phone to really scrub that whole eligibility assessment to determine whether they are eligible or not. So having a process in place as opposed to individual people making decisions is key. Uh, for example, another one, when I first started in hospice, uh, I started with Hospice of uh, Michigan, and I remember my first month there, they got barraged with a bunch of uh, ADRs, additional documentation requests, and the admission process came to a halt because they were scared to really admit anybody unless they were almost on their deathbed. 
So there again, there wasn't a process in place. It was people's other things making that determination regarding uh, eligibility. And while after, after three months at hospice in Michigan, the pendulum swung back to the middle, but in the meantime, those referral sources that we used to be able to take their patients became very disgruntled with us because we weren't and we weren't communicating and it just turned out to be a real mess. So eligibility process is also key when you look at the anatomy of uh, an intake process. And one of my favorite parts of the uh, process is really building and working a superior, in capital letters, 90-day pending list. And we're going to spend a lot of time discussing what it is, how you work it. That specific process is key to conversion, is key to serving more people and growing. And then the last part of the uh, anatomy is, does your organization draw upon its collective wisdom and is there a commitment to really supporting a good, robust referral inquiry to admission process? If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can register for the on-demand webinar titled Strengthening Your Referral Inquiry to Admission Process. The on-demand webinar is available now to view and download. Podcast listeners can also enter coupon code PODCAST10 into their shopping cart for 10% off. More details can be found in the episode notes. You can also find links to check out Hospice Advisors' website. Be sure to follow the Hospice and Home Care webinar network on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or your favorite podcast platform for the next episode of Essential Insights. Before I close, I would like to thank our state association partners, Kurt Kazanowski, Hospice Advisors, and you, the listener, the essential worker. Thank you for all that you do for the healthcare community. Be safe and take care. 